Well, hey, it's great to be with all of you again today. And for those of you who are newer to the circle, I'm Dan Meyer. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church. We have had an incredible week uh, unfolding this past seven days. Uh, it is really the startup again of what used to feel like normal church. It's uh, not 100% normal, but it has gotten a whole lot closer in the last seven days as we have kicked off so many of the regular ministries that have been part of our life uh, over the years. And this, it's been particularly exciting to me to see uh, the faces of people, the bright eyes of kids again in the building. We've had uh, a marvelous gathering here this past Tuesday night with some 200 women uh, filling this place and uh, beginning a spiritual journey together this fall. We had an amazing men's golf outing. Uh, this past Friday, uh, this room that I'm standing in was, had uh, almost 200 guys from all over Chicagoland. Uh, here to celebrate the Chicago Fellowship Retreat, and I had a chance to speak to that uh, wonderful group of leaders trying to share the heart of God wherever they work and live and are moving. Uh, so we just are thrilled that you're with us here today. Thank you so much for coming and being in this conversation. I hope it's going to be helpful to you, and I want to invite you, if you've got access to a Bible on your phone or a physical Bible, uh, to pull it out right now, and I want to read if I may, from the gospel, actually the writings of the Apostle Paul as he spoke long ago to the Ch Corinthian church. Uh, and so you will have heard this passage before, I am confident, but I want to invite you to listen with fresh ears and an open heart to this text. And now I will show you the most excellent way, says Paul. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, then I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames as a martyr, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, 
even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I always get a little unsteady when I read that part about how things pass away. <laughs> I'm in a season of life where I'm aware that uh, that could happen to me. That might not make an exception with me. <laughs> uh, and so the more and more I go along the journey in this season of my own life, the more and more I'm thinking about those things that I really want to leave as a legacy, that I want to make sure uh, carry on in some way to the extent that I have the ability to, to sow those things. And so I think if I could boil down the few things that I would most especially want to pass on, uh, that I would want to stick with you and to keep strengthening you even after I was but a memory, it would be a confident belief that no matter how dark your life gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how despairing it seems at certain times, that there is a grace greater than the gravity of life. Let me say that one one more time. No matter how tough it gets, no matter how heavy it gets, there is a grace greater than the gravity of life. And there, this grace is not some amorphous, you know, fog or, or force. It is a being. It is a person. It is a power who wants to meet people when they are feeling pressed down, when they are feeling crushed by life, and he wants to lift them up. He wants to lift them up, not just off the ground, but to their fullest possible potential. As Jesus said, I've come in order that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want to lift you up and to signify his power to do this, he goes to the grave and is raised to new life in resurrection as a sign that as I live, he says, so you shall also live. Be brave. You will suffer in this world, but I've overcome. And if you stick with me, you will overcome as well. This is what I want to make sure I pass on. Trust in the grace, look for the grace, open yourself, ask for the grace that is greater than the gravity of life and he will lift you up. I also believe that he chooses to do that lifting often through people. That he chooses to do this lifting through the hands of other people. I know I am standing here today because of the way his grace has moved. Time and time again, when I have fallen down in my spirit, in my relationships, in my character, in my sense of hope, my vision, uh, God has come along and lifted me up. And so often he's done it through the voices and the hearts of other people. I'm a little bit like the, the turtle on the fence post that I described last week. I've had a lot of help in life. Uh, along the way, I've just been carried and and. and propelled upward by so many different people. I've had so much help. And I imagine that if I were to go around and sort of put a microphone in front of your face, you'd have some stories too about your own life and, and the people that God has used and the way that even without people, sometimes God has moved into your life and, and lifted you. I, I think that's so important to remember those stories and to tell those stories because so many people today, as I was talking briefly last week, 
are just feeling crushed and weighed down in the heaviness of life today. Um, The workplace, the multiple pressures of family life, the constant clamor and conflict of our time. Uh, I've been in conversations with people, with parents who are estranged from their kids and with kids that are estranged from their parents or from one of their siblings. I've heard people, I had dinner last night with someone who's just feeling the grief and the oppression that just comes when you've lost the partner that you did life with for so long. Uh, You know, it's just such a heavy and difficult thing to keep going by yourself in that kind of a context. Uh, I was on the phone with somebody last night who, um, who just, I could hear the agony and the heaviness in his voice as he as he shared with me this, this sense that, that the marriage was over and that he wasn't sure why and he wasn't sure what to do next. The gravity of life, you know, is just there in so many different ways. And that is why I think it's so important that we're here together today. Uh, I think that, 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 that the community of faith the follower of Jesus Christ, the, the, the family, the church, the body of Christ is part of God's plan to meet people like this and, and offer hope and help in rising from the circumstances that they're dealing with. And, and last week I, I shared a whole vision about this, about how I, I, I believe God is calling Christ's church to move and live in the days to come to be part of his Uh, of his movement, God's movement, to lift people up in our time towards him and towards their full potential. And if you didn't have a chance to hear the message last week, I hope you'll go online and catch it at our website um, and and just be familiar with some of the ways we've been thinking and talking about moving forward as a church. And I also hope that you might... um, Keep sharing the stories of how you're responding to the challenge that I gave out last week, which is... Every single week, make it your aim in some way to lift one person, just a single person, towards a higher level of thriving. Be that voice of encouragement. Uh, be that person that connects with the stranger. Uh, be that person that, that, that affirms and, and celebrates things that you see in other people or introduces them to the people they need to meet or opens up door of resource and opportunity for them. Be, just be a person that is lifting at least one person intentionally every single week. And I'd love to hear the stories of that. You could write to us at stories at Christchurch.us and we'll find a way to pass on those stories to inspire other people as well. As I was reminded in so many of the recent conversations I've had, uh, there are few areas of life where people need a lift more than in the zone of their relationships. I want to let that settle. There's few areas where we really need a lift than in the area of our daily relationships. We can have good looks, fine health, steady job, fame or fortune, But if our relationships aren't working, it's just amazing how cheap and useless and ultimately irrelevant those other kinds of things are. Um, In the end, nothing matters so much as the quality of our relationships. And I think you know this. Uh, I I think you recognize the wisdom of that statement. The, The tricky thing is that a lot of us over the course of time even though we know that to be a truth, at least in the abstract, in the concrete, in the particular, 
actually settle for what I would call regular relationships. Uh, we know we ought to be seeking remarkable, but we settle for regular kinds of relationships. What do I mean by regular relationships? Well, I mean, some of them are healthy enough for our general purposes. Um, they, they work okay. Uh, we've come to expect a fair amount of disappointment and, and frustration and conflict in our connections with other people. Uh, we've gotten sort of used to the emotional distance that, that can grow up there over time. Uh, we, 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 we sort of accepted the secret griping, the, the restless dissatisfaction, the sort of the fantasizing about other options that, that we could have in the workplace, in the home, in, in other circles of our lives. Uh, this is what I mean when I say we've gotten used to regular relationships. And now and then, our, our vision gets lifted. Now and then we sort of catch a glimpse of maybe of a, a, a marriage that isn't just surviving, but it's really thriving. And we kind of go, wow, that exists? Or, or maybe you witness this unusual kind of intimacy between a, a parent and a, and a child. There's just this loving, fabulous connection there. Maybe even at a season of life when you wouldn't expect it to be there in that way. Or, or you admire the fabulous dynamic that exists between the members of a team or, or best friends or a set of siblings. It might even be this uh, incredible uh, dynamic or link between a coach and an athlete or between a mentor and and a mentee, a teacher, and a student, and you think, I would love that. I wish I had that. I wish I knew how to find that. Have you ever felt any of those things? Can you relate to any of that aspiration? When I see this kind of connection going on, I, I, I often think, what's, what's going on there? You know, what, what is really going on in that relationship? How does that work? Um, how do these people get that kind of bond or build it? Um, and is it still possible, I mean really possible, for me to find that kind of web of relationships in my life? Well, God says to us in his scriptures and in the person of Jesus, yes, it is possible. And I can help you find that kind of relationship. No matter how difficult the relationship is now, no matter how far away a better experience might seem to be, I can help you rise above the regular like a kite soaring on the wind above the clouds. And that's the image we've selected to kind of think about together over the course of these weeks. I want to lift your relationships like a kite soaring above the clouds. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to always be easy to do it. It's not magical. But I can provide you with the principles and the practices, most importantly, the grace, the power to lift you up to a new kind of level. So what are the key principles and practices to having that really happen? I think the very first one um, is this idea that God is our ultimate pattern and provider when it comes to building truly remarkable relationships. Um, you know, the tendency will always be to run to all kinds of other sort of self-help sources on, 
on this when we talk about relationships. But what God is trying to say to us is, I really want to be your pattern. In fact, Jesus got really explicit at one point. He said to his disciples, a new commandment I give you. And they all kind of pulled out their notebooks. Yeah, what's that? Love one another. And they, got, they said, well, there's nothing new about that. And, and he continued, as I have loved you. This is what's new. You guys have been um, kind of playing at love. You sort of are doing it in the regular kind of way. I'm telling you, you need to stretch for the remarkable kind of love that, that I've demonstrated to you. That I've been showing you all along in the way I work with people. That I've been showing towards you and that I'm about to show you in a very supreme way you will never forget. Love one another as I've loved you. Study my pattern. Imitate my way of interacting with people. Think about how I treat you. I would probably go as far as to say, personally, this is me just Dan talking here, that at the core of any great marriage, great friendship, great team, great fellowship, great small group, you're going to find people relating to each other in, in, in ways that, that have been previously patterned or directed by God or in ways that are consistent with the way God loves and moves through life, even if they're not conscious of the source. It's this particular way of doing life, love, and relationship that we're going to think about together in the days to come. So are you willing to go on this adventure with me? Because it's going to get personal at times. Uh, it's going to get a little vulnerable at times. Are you willing to go there? And I asked you that question, um, not just rhetorically. I'm, I'm really inviting you to think about this because um, the second big idea, <laughs> the second key principle here is that if we want to develop more remarkable relationships, it's going to really challenge us to throw away some things and face some things. And, and reflecting on the path that led him to where he got in life, the Apostle Paul in the reading that we just uh, had from 1 Corinthians 13 says this, when I was a child, I talked and thought and reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Now let me just emphasize that word childish, okay? Childlike is good. We want to be childlike. We, we want to remember, even as adults, how to play, how to trust, how to, how to uh, try new things, how to reach out to people who are different from us. Uh, those are wonderful attributes of childlikeness. Childishness, not so good. Okay? Childishness is something we, we don't want to stay with forever. So Paul is saying here that if you're really interested in developing better relationships than you have today, then you need to grow up. You need to finish growing up. You need to confront the things about you that are still childish. Now, I know this is true for me. At least in my clearest moments, I sort of get this. That I think that sometimes I enter into relationships um, with this heart that is a little bit like um, a ball of string, uh, sort of a ball of, to use the metaphor, a ball of kite string that's got wound really tight and sort of tangled. And it got wound that way and tangled that way through all these experiences I had as a kid. When I was a child, 
and haven't fully processed, haven't fully uh, learned to work with. And we don't have time for me to explain all of those experiences. I couldn't afford to pay all of you as my therapists, although I'd probably benefit from that. But I will say, say that a lot of the work of my adulthood has been about trying to understand this stuff, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how I got wound the way I did and tangled the way I did and, and how to untangle those things. And God just keeps showing me that, that as, as far along as I am in lots of ways, I still am prone to get wound up in these perceptions of myself and others that goes back to, to what I dealt with in childhood. I'm knotted up in ways of handling people and and problems and circumstances around me, my current self is the string that limits the height and kite of my relationships. My current self. In other words, if I want to rise to a different level in my marriage, in my parenting, in my coworker relationships, in my social relationships, uh, uh, connections in my leadership, then I need to, to really understand more of those childish things, recognize them, the things that are limiting me, and with God's help, put those, way be, those behind me, as Paul puts it. Now, a lot of people think, oh, I've already grown up. I mean, I've done a lot of work myself. I, I have this stuff figured out. I'm, I'm about as far along as, I'm, as I really need to go. And Paul was speaking to people in his time who were much like that, which is why in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians 13, he says the things he does. In fact, let me try and paraphrase it just so it is even more clearly applied to our time. Uh, a lot of people think, look, look at what a great communicator I am. Look at how articulate I am. Look at, look, at, look at how good I am at giving advice to other people. I'm grown up. Or, or look at how knowledgeable I am. How many uh, principles of life I've mastered. How much of the scriptures I know. I can quote scripture. I, I got doctrine down. Look at me. I, I'm pretty grown up. Or just notice, just notice how faithful I am. I show up at church a whole lot more. When I can't be there in person, I'm there online. I, I, I give pretty regularly to, to, to the ministries. I, I, I support all kinds of charitable causes in the community. I have made some sacrifices to needy people. Even non-religious people. When you ask them to describe sort of the evidence or the, the characteristics of, of their adulthood or their maturity will often put it in terms of how articulate, educated, faithful, or charitably active they are. They see themselves as, that's how they describe how far along they are in life. And these, of course, are really commendable qualities. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking those down at all. I think those are great qualities um, to be articulate and educated and faithful and charitable and all that stuff but they just aren't the measure of maturity in the eyes of God. They just aren't the things that will be sort of on the checklist for him. If you believe what Jesus tells us about the heart of the Father. Um, they're not what also enables us to build remarkable relationships. 
So listen really carefully to what I'm about to say. It's the third key principle I hope we'll have as a takeaway for today. According to the scriptures, the ultimate mark of maturity, yours, mine, anybody's, and I'm going to put it in my language now, is the length and strength of the heartstring that runs from the center of you toward the lives of other people who need to be loved. The ultimate mark of maturity is the length and strength of the heartstring that runs from that center in you out to other people. Now, now why do I say that? Well, partly because Jesus says this. Jesus said, you know, was asked at one point, you know, this is a long book. And they only had the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. They said, Jesus, can you boil it down? Is there some simple way of, of understanding this stuff? And Jesus says, yeah, here's what you need to focus on. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to love this way and I want you to love that way. And I want you to do it as if you were loving yourself. At least as much as you love yourself. These are the greatest commandments. Jesus said that. This is the ultimate mark, is to love like this. The Apostle Paul goes on and says, love is the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit. I know there are all kinds of other gifts that the Spirit gives, leadership, administration, prayer, uh, charity, lots of other, the ability sometimes to speak in worship languages, lots of gifts. The greatest one, the most excellent way, he says, is to love like I'm going to describe to you, he says. The apostle John, another one of the apostles, the one that was called the beloved disciple, says that the essence of God and of those people that God truly indwells is what? It's love. And I forgot to mention it, but it was on the slide before, that the first of the fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, the first evidence that the Holy Spirit's really there and working, has been allowed to come in and, and bear fruit, the first evidence is love. And then joy, and then peace, and then patience, and then kindness, and then downless. But the first love, first gift, first fruit is love. First sign that, that God is at work in somebody, according to John, it's, it's love. In fact, Paul says, I can be mature in all kinds of other ways in the ways that the world values um, and, and in ways that the world needs. But if I have not love, if the preeminent quality that I bring to the relationships of my life is not love, then I gain nothing, I am nothing, says Paul. It's not, a, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not relevant. You know, um, probably by point and sometimes by counterpoint, I get reminded of this every time uh, somebody's life comes to an end. And um, I guess funeral directors and pastors are sort of statistically unusual in how frequently they're there at the end. Nurses too. Um, at the end of somebody's life. Uh, and, and, and then in, in the making sense of somebody's life, that's where pastors and funeral directors are really often present. And, and I am struck by this, like all the time, it hits me in the face so frequently that 
that basically at the end, what counts most to everybody present on that day is the length and the strength of the heartstring that had gone out from that person's life to other people. Again, you know, multimillionaires, paupers alike, uh, people talk about all kinds of things at these, at these services, but what matters most is not whether they were a good thinker, a good citizen, a good religionist, a good talker, a good provider, as wonderful as all of those things are. Again, I'm not running them down. I'm just saying what most obviously counts the most is the way that person loved. In, in, how remarkable was the love that other people experienced from that person or didn't? And this is the fourth principle I want to lay down for us today in which the Bible so passionately declares to us almost everything we spend our lives growing, constructing, chasing, dusting, upgrading as the mark of our success is going away. It will cease, Paul says. It will will pass by. But love lasts Love lasts like nothing else. And if you want to make a a lasting imprint on this world, and I think most of us want it, at least we want to make it on our friends and our family, uh, if you want to do that, get a great education so that you can understand uh, more. Build a business that employs people. Maintain a house that shelters people. Give to causes that assist people. All great stuff. But Resolve to put behind you whatever childish, selfish mindsets, whatever addictions or patterns of living are hindering you from loving people like Jesus loves people, like God loves you. Put those things behind and seek that kind of love for your life more than anything else because that is the stuff that lasts. I think you know this from your own experience. I think you can probably think of somebody in your life who was one of those people that lifted you the turtle up (laughs) uh, in a remarkable way. And you think about them and they continue to have an influence on you even though they may be gone from this earth. I think of my granny, Carolyn Starring Meyer was her name. You know, she grew up in Chicago, I discovered, not, not long ago. Um... But I knew her on the East Coast, and she was the great solid in my life. She was the great consistent strength. I loved my mom and dad dearly, and they were amazing in my life too. But when my parents were going through a divorce, my grandmother was the steady. She was the constant. And I always knew that she was for me and for my siblings. And and she could be tough on us at times. I mean, she could speak the truth in love in a way that was fierce at times. Um, you could be on her bad side. You could be in the doghouse with Granny. But man, you knew she always had your back. She was always there for you. She was always there naming and encouraging the best. Uh, it was just phenomenal. I hope you've had a relative like this. Uh, I hope you have a spouse like this. I hope you have a best friend like this. I hope you have mentors, coaches, teachers like this. I hope you have a long list of people that have been the fingerprints of God on your life, lifting you up along the way. Because these people, as you know, are just exceptional. They're patient and kind to us when it would be hard to be. 
just like Paul says. They're, they're rarely boastful or proud about their own accomplishments, but they get really excited about yours when you make progress. Uh, they, they, they're selfless in many ways, often very slow in their anger toward us, amazingly able to forget the long list of times we mess up. Um, they don't delight in the evil that befalls us as a consequence of our missteps. Serves you right, you know. They're not, that's not their game. They're mainly excited we're finally getting it. They're mainly rejoicing that we're facing and embracing the truth. The best of them protected us. They trusted God's work in us. They never stopped hoping for us, persevering in their love for us. Their love did not fail, and it lifted us up. And, and even if you didn't know such love, and some of us are feeling, even as I describe these things, wow, kind of a, this wistfulness. I wish I'd had more of that in my life. Even the absence of these experiences that I'm um, articulating is, is, is indication that this kind of love, when somebody experiences it, is not only remarkable, it makes a mark on us. It changes us by its presence or by its absence. And, and when, we, when we aspire for this or we feel poignance around the subject of love, it's because we understand so deeply how much every person needs to be loved with a love like God's. Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish philosopher, once said, and I've quoted this often, that the chief problem with humanity is we have forgotten with what a great love we are loved. So that's what we're going after in these weeks ahead. Um, we're, we're reprising a series we did more than a decade ago because at that time it just was so practically helpful to people and we think that after COVID or in the middle of COVID, there's been enough pressure, enough heaviness on our relationships that it's time to think about these things in a fresh way again. So I hope you'll invite somebody else to, to be part of this conversation with us. Uh, point them to the place online where they can get this content. Invite them to, to join you in your home for worship. Come and be at one of our campuses uh, in days ahead. I just hope and pray this will be one of the best things our church can do together to help lift up individuals and families. We're going to find together these biblical principles and practices that by the power of God will help us to grow up further than we have already and like the greatest mentor in the universe, God is going to help us take that merely regular heart that we may have right now and those merely regular relationships that we may now be in, and he's going to help us untangle some things and build the length and the strength of our heartstring, and he's going to take us by his grace higher towards that place where these relationships become more remarkable. And knowing we need his power for that, would you come before him with me in prayer as we move to a close? Lord Jesus, we, we hear those words, love one another as I have loved you. And we want to say thank you today.
for the way that you have demonstrated that amazing love for people all through your earthly journey and so supremely upon the cross. We praise you that by your Holy Spirit, you love us in a continuing way. You love and move around us and within us. We thank you for the unusual people you've used to be these incredible agents and conduits of your love in our lives. And Lord, if there's any one of us within the sound of my voice today who has never purposely and personally asked you, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you forgive the tangle of my life? Would you love me towards my greatest potential and surround me with people who help me with that? And God, I just ask that you would help that person make that invitation today because we know, Lord, you're going to come in. So fill us up afresh with yourself. Send us forth to love people around us in a truly remarkable way. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, Amen.